Welcome to Common Ground, a talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in Berlin and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Today is the official start of summer, and we're going to talk about travel, which is something we haven't been able to do much of in a long time. Senior producer Dina El-Sayed reports. Restaurants and bars in Berlin are back in business, and museums have opened their doors to visitors. Even the famous Berlinale Film Festival, postponed from February, is taking place now with outdoor screenings. The trending hashtag is Berlin Reopens. But many Berliners won't really feel things are opening up unless they can spend part of their summer abroad. One is social democratic health policy expert Karl Lauterbach. Lauterbach told VELTV that he would join relatives for a holiday in France once the entire family is fully vaccinated. He says that travel is acceptable and even recommended if you're fully vaccinated and visit a region where the incidence rate is low. As Germany's inoculation campaign picks up pace and the government eases travel restrictions on favored destinations, hundreds of thousands of Germans are likely to resume travel. But it's a logistical battle. What constitutes a risk area is constantly changing, and holidaymakers have to keep up with the specific travel regulations German authorities issue depending on the infection rates and the COVID-19 variants in destination countries. Health Minister Jan Spahn introduced one tool that could make travel easier and further normalize vaccines. The cough pass, a digital immunity certificate that allows a person to prove on their smartphones that they've been fully vaccinated. The goal is for the digital certificate to be interoperational, whether in Helsinki, Amsterdam or Mallorca, Spahn said in a news conference. He adds that this allows the EU to set the standard for international travel rather than individual member states. The standard for international travel is already undergoing significant changes, at least within Europe, as the EU invests in and incentivizes train travel. European Sleeper co-founder Elmen van Buren told Euronews that the pandemic might have forced people to reassess how to use their time and opt for trains over planes. People are looking for a more sustainable way to travel. And this is, of course, also fueled by the flight shame uh, that we see from Sweden. Um, and it's also fueled by the fact that people are looking for more logical ways to spend their time, uh, which is a, a result of the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, and we think uh, the night train can fill in that gap. The Dutch startup is already working on night trains linking Amsterdam, Berlin, Brussels and Prague. Some of the routes of the new Trans-Europe Express, which Germany proposed last year, will connect Amsterdam to Barcelona, Berlin to Rome, and Paris to Budapest. For travelers from many non-EU countries, though, a holiday in Germany could still be off-limits this summer. Hotels are open, but whether occupancy rates will reflect that is not certain. That was senior producer Dina El-Sayed. Joining me via Zoom to talk about how we will travel this summer are Christian Tensler, spokesman for Visit Berlin, the city's official tourism service, Volker Adams, head of government affairs at the German Travel Association, and Nikki Gardner, travel writer and editor of Hidden Europe magazine and co-author of the book Europe by Rail. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Nice to be here. Hi, pleased to join you today. I'm going to start with Falka. What kind of summer travel can we expect this year? Are we going to be back to pre-pandemic levels? Unfortunately not. 
Um, things are taking up momentum. We are seeing that um, the booking numbers are up and uh, people are um, going into the travel agencies and booking their travel. But, I mean, we missed out on the first couple of months and we are not seeing any long-haul travel probably till the end of the year. So we are optimistic and when we expect that uh, we'll have about 50% of the bookings of 2019. And this is probably better than we expected one or two months ago. So things are developing nicely, but still we're far away from the good results we had in 2019. And people are, are aiming for the Mediterranean um, that's about uh, the most, or it seems to be probably the most popular destinations uh, for German holidaymakers. So what are the impediments? I mean, is it that the virus is still too active in many places, or are governments not doing a good enough job in, in getting things going? Well, I guess the greatest problem is that we're still seeing um, a lot of travel restrictions. It's not easy to travel to quite a lot of destinations. German government isn't making it very easy to travel and come back, but also a lot of the destinations are making it pretty difficult for people wanting to travel. And uh, that's number one. And the other main problem is that people are still a little bit apprehensive. They don't really know what to expect, if there's going to be another fourth wave or if things might turn out to the bad. So they're traveling to places they know and um, to places where they expect that if something goes wrong, they'll be able to make it back without too much burden. So they wouldn't choose the very exotic places. And even if they would, they probably wouldn't be able to get there because the airlines, they don't have the capacity yet. They're flying still at very low capacity. So Things are still quite a little bit difficult, but we're hoping that in 2022 we're going to be totally back on track and even the long-haul destinations will be open to German travelers. Christian, what are you expecting in terms of tourists visiting Berlin? Have you been reaching out, uh, like outside of Berlin, I should say, to draw them back? Um, we started last Friday, so um, latest development is very short. But we already realized that there's a lot of um, travel around to Berlin, that there are a lot of people who want to come to Berlin. But uh, as um, Volker said before, we are missing the international travelers and most of our business right now are German travelers. In normal times, uh, before Corona, we had 55% Germans, 45% international travelers. Now we have 85% Germans and 15% travelers from abroad. So I think this will grow, but we need time. And the expectation for summer is we will have business. Uh, the city is very good prepared. I think it is uh, safe as it can be safe so far, but it's a different atmosphere without international guests here. The international travelers who are coming, are they coming from within the EU or is there a particular country that seems to be interested or, or willing to come to Berlin at this stage? Most of them come from Germany, and uh, so far it's possible they're coming from countries around Germany, like Poland, Denmark, Netherlands, Austria, Switzerland. More and more people are coming by car, what uh, is really a challenge, uh, because we don't want the traffic, to be honest. 
and um, less people are coming by plane. The German rail and uh, the uh, bus system uh, plays a big role in future, I think. But the people want to be safe and eh? they want to be independent. If something uh, goes wrong, they want to be free to leave. Yeah? They want to be free to uh, go home. On the other hand, I think uh, Berlin is a very good uh, destination because it is safe and we have a very good health care and things like this. That might be a good reason for international travelers as well, that uh, the system is running and the system is very good equipped. I think that's very, very important. And the, we have to be more flexible than before. Nikki, what about modes of travel? Christian mentioned cars, but I'm wondering if we can expect to see more rail travel. Or is flying going to be back in vogue, you think, this summer as things loosen up? Well, I think Christian's made some very perceptive points there. And if I can just pick up upon what he was saying about people shifting to cars, the underlying thinking there, which Christian has commented on, is in fact this wish to preserve flexibility. So we've changed from a travel environment, a travel ecosystem, where people were over many, many years became ever keener to get everything pinned down. They wanted to be absolutely certain where they would stay. They even wanted to know, particularly in the German market, what they would eat or what the meals would be. People were very, very keen on certainty. What's happened in the COVID interregnum is that we've actually turned that on its head And we're now beginning to think much more flexibly about travel. So in a way, I'm quietly hopeful that there may be some quite good things come out of this, that we may rediscover something of that spontaneity that, for me at least, has actually been one of the absolute joys of travel. The other big trend that we've seen has been a change from urban destinations to rural destinations. You know, this could be Brandenburg's big chance. The idea of people coming and staying close to a big city, but then making excursions into the city. And I've read about examples of recent weeks of people, for example, wanting to stay in the southern part of the Scottish Highlands, but make a day trip into Edinburgh, into Glasgow, wanting to stay not in the centre of Paris, but at Barbizon, out in the forest of Fontainebleau, and to catch the train into Paris. So there's change in attitudes, and that's definitely reflected to get to the nub of your question, Soraya, in modal shift. We've definitely seen very strong modal shift away from the plane, and I suspect that that will endure for some time. At the moment, that has been to the car for security and indeed for flexibility. But I think we will see in time the rail industry rising to that with the possibility of actually greater flexibility in rail travel, the notion of a spar price ticket in Germany, which didn't totally pin you down to which day you're going to come back, but allowed you to extend or to reduce your trip. So I think there is a huge opportunity for rail here. Well, there seems to be also a move towards night trains, which had almost been, it seems, eliminated in many instances uh, within Europe. And now they're bringing them back. I mean, is there interest in having that come back? Is that something that's resulting uh, from the pandemic where people want to get to their destinations, but they'd rather not do it by plane? And this affords them the opportunity to move and sleep at the same time. Very definitely. There's a clear relationship here. It's not caused only by the pandemic. But the pandemic is an absolutely key factor. The pandemic has reshaped our thinking about time, how we spend time, how we value time. Think of all those long weeks we've spent at home. And it's reshaped our thinking about space. And there is this new premium on privacy. 
And the great thing about the night train is you're guaranteed your own compartment. So if you take a sleeper or a couchette. So that plays to a very important need just at the moment. I should say in fairness that um, there are some other factors play very clearly into this. The incumbent operators, uh, by which I mean the big state operators, be it Austrian Railways, SBB in Switzerland or Deutsche Bahn, they have had a pretty strong grip upon daytime travel. There is much more flexibility and much more scope for new entrants into the market in the night train market. So we've actually had a conjunction of things here which have come together to see this actually quite striking renaissance of night trains. And every time I open my email, I see another one was announced yesterday, midnight trains who are going to speed us from Paris to Edinburgh and Berlin and everywhere. Well, I certainly took advantage of the rail uh, to go to southern France recently for a fellowship. And uh, it takes longer, but it's also enjoyable. And somehow you feel a bit safer because it's not so crowded. You know, you wear your mask. You're able to get in and out of the train at stations to breathe some fresh air. Um, So it's interesting. The trend is definitely very interesting. Well, it's not a good thing. So we're rediscovering the pleasure of the journey, that perhaps it's not just places Actually, that's the thing I have really missed during the pandemic. I've absolutely missed that chance as a writer to be in Trieste, to be able to wander along the coast of the south of France or whatever. Um, I've missed that. But actually, I realise the thing I have really missed is the journey. It's the sheer pleasure of sitting on the Eurocity train over a coffee as it trundles up the Elbe Gorge from Dresden towards the Czech border. So that's perhaps something we're all going to discover from this pandemic is the beauty of the journey. So I guess this is Christian. What Nikki says is absolutely right. And um, I would like to add that the factor or the subject of sustainability has become the last during the last months more and more positive input. Uh, we see that uh, offers we have which has a kind of good sustainability output. People prefer to book, yeah? They want the urban Berlin, they want the lifestyle of Berlin, but they want also the green and the blue sides of Berlin. So we have a lot of water, we have a lot of green spaces, parks and so on. And the combination of both is something people really request more and more. This is really a trend. And um, I think this uh, is a very good combination and we support it uh, very much for uh, train travel. Train travel Mm -hmm. to Berlin, from Berlin, train travel, night trains. I think this is the future. Volker, you wanted to add something? I wouldn't want to pour too much water into the wine. It all sounds very nice. And I am really, myself, I'm quite fond of the nostalgia of the night trains. And the thing is, it all has to be economically feasible. And uh, quite a lot of our member companies are offering um, compensation for flights. And um, we have quite a lot of sustainable tourism products on offer. And usually, if you've got a certified product, um, people are willing to purchase it as long as it doesn't cost too much more than the alternative. They're still pretty hesitant about digging into their pockets to pay a little bit more for um, the sustainable product. And it's the same with the night trains. I I really am hoping and crossing my fingers that the new products um, that are on offer by the state rail companies will take off and will stay with us 
But it all has to be economically feasible and it has to pay in the end. And I'm not quite sure if this will happen. So I wouldn't write off uh, plane travel. I I believe plane travel will be here to stay. I I believe that people will be booking um, their plane travel, especially if it's on their family holidays to places like Spain or Greece or Turkey. They won't be taking the train, not if they're traveling with kids and so forth. But still, (laughs) I can understand this romantic notion about traveling by train and even on longer journeys. Hopefully, uh, these offers will last. Falco, let me ask you to follow up and talk a little bit about the United States. I mean, that used to be a top destination for Germans. Will it be this summer, you think? Well, I guess the problem is that the United States are making it pretty difficult for tourists from Germany or from the European Union to travel into the United States. Um, It's not easy to cross the border. And um, I'm not quite sure if the travel restrictions set by the United States will be lifted um, soon. Yeah, we find this obviously very detrimental. And and we're hoping that the United States will uh, be a bit more welcoming (laughs) to Europeans. Uh, We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about what we can expect from travel this summer. Stay tuned. I'm Rachel Tausendfreund, one of the hosts of the German Marshall Fund's podcast, Out of Order. Join our conversations with leaders and experts on what the dark side of tech does to democracy, how the pandemic shapes geopolitics, and other topics of global order and disorder. You can find our episodes and miniseries at gmfus.org or wherever you find your podcasts. We are the German Marshall Fund of the United States, strengthening transatlantic cooperation since 1972. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, the host of Common Ground. And I'm Dina El Sayed, the senior producer. Each week, we bring you a new lively discussion on a hard hitting topic. If you want to learn more about our podcast, check out our website at commongroundberlin.com. The episodes are free to download, but they aren't free to create. Common Ground depends on grants as well as donations from listeners like you. So if you want to help us out, please click on the donate button at commongroundberlin.com. And thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. I'm Maurice Frank, editor of the Berliner Zeitung English Edition, which is a proud partner of Common Ground. Is it hard for you to figure out what's going on in Berlin because everything you read or hear is in German? We at Berliner Zeitung English Edition can help, providing you with all the news you can use in English, whether on politics, business, or culture. We also offer riveting interviews and commentary. Look for us at berliner-zeitung.de slash en or just type in Berliner Zeitung English Edition into your search engine. I look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back to Common Ground. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson and we are talking about summer vacations and the light at the end of the pandemic tunnel. Joining me via Zoom are Christian Tensler from Visit Berlin, Volker Adams from the German Travel Association, and Nikki Gardner of Hidden Europe magazine. 
Before the break, we were talking about where we are going this summer and whether we can expect to see tourists here in Berlin. I also want to take a look at how easy various government authorities are making it to go on holiday. Christian, have Berlin health and government officials, with their traffic light system and testing requirements, figured out a workable formula for balancing safety with keeping restaurants, hotels, and attractions open? Ooh, that is a very difficult question because in most of the branch would say mm, yes because uh, Germans tend to be very very correct and uh, very, I would say take no risk. And so uh, I think we managed the crisis so far quite well. So the efforts they did and all the hygienic concepts and um, the pilot projects, I think that was the right way. But now everybody is really in the starting position and we want guests. Yeah, We need guests. We love guests. We want this um, kind of normal life again with our international guests. So I think now the bottle is opened, yeah, and the pressure is going out of the bottle, and we are opening more and more, the hotels are open, the restaurants are open, the the cultural life is coming back, I think that's the right way. But do you think that the rules and tests are clear enough or easy enough to understand for tourists and business travelers who come to Berlin, but maybe don't know, for example, that on Greifswalder Straße you can get a Schnelltest so you can go into a restaurant? That is really a big challenge for us, or was a big challenge for us, um, to um, clear all these regulations for our visitors. So we had a website, and I think that was the website, most visited uh, part of the website in the last days and weeks. And uh, we spent a lot of efforts to update it every hour. So I think uh, people have the need of right information and actual information. And um, we can give the open questions. And you are absolutely right, Soraya. There were a lot of open questions. And I think for some people, especially international guests, it is an effort to get the right information and to know in what kind of circumstances you can come and uh, how you can live here. But if you go outside um, in Berlin and see how the city is looking right now, it feels very much normal. <laughs> and um, this is a very, very good feeling. Volker, what about Germany-wide? I mean, I think back to April and the mess that was Mallorca initially. Do you get tested before you get on the plane? Do you not? And so on. Do you feel that the states and or the Bundesländer are doing enough to coordinate rules and announce what those rules are so that vacationing is easier than before? Well, actually, I mean, our industry complained quite a lot um, because um, things were not being coordinated in a proper way. It really showed the worst of the federal system during uh, the high times of the crisis. Things are looking a little bit better because a lot of the restrictions have been dropped and people are already used to having to wear masks and to getting tested and a lot of a great part of the population has been vaccinated so it's always easier <laughs> if if the constraints are being lifted than uh, the other way around so people are feeling a, much more free and in a better way as christian pointed out correctly um, it always feels great if the restrictions are being lifted and you can sit outside and go into a restaurant but um, in the past, it was pretty problematic. And we had a lot of symbolism, you know, a, a lot of um, the constraints um, set by German government and the lender 
where you really asked yourself, why are they doing this? Um, if they had consulted the governmental agencies, they're paying. And um, we have scientific evidence um, that organized travel is not one of the major factors when it comes down to distributing um, the infections. In that sense, and people wanting to visit Majorca, for example, where the infection rates were well below the infection rates within Germany, it absolutely made no sense trying to keep the people from visiting um, the Balearic Islands in this sense. But because things are looking better, people have stopped asking questions about it. And hopefully, if we'll see an, another similar crisis someday, hopefully not too soon, the lender and the federal government will have learned from the last few months. And hopefully they might organize um, the process a little bit better than the last one and a half years. That's the great hope. Nikki, do you think that Germany could be doing a better job in letting tourists and travelers into Germany rather than uh, basically setting up standards and reducing risk rates? But that seems to be all aimed at people leaving. Like, in other words, if I wanted to go to France, now it's a risk area rather than a high risk area. So different rules apply. Or if I wanted to go to the United States, it's fine. But for Americans, for example, wanting to come in, they can't do it at the moment. Yeah, there's a very interesting dilemma here, and it's a question of balancing the rights and the responsibilities of those who are in the country who would be minded to leave and want to come back. Um, so the outbound tourism. And then, of course, there is the incoming tourism. And there are often a quite different set of factors at play there. Personally, I don't think Germany has done really quite so badly there. And of course, perhaps the key thing we should hope for and look for in the future is a little bit more unity um, amongst the 27 EU nations, because um, there are still disparities there. I'm quietly hopeful that come the 1st of July, we're going to see um, a little bit more cohesion there. But even there, I think we need to preserve the fact that Germany may want to turn around and say, look, there are certain countries amongst the EU countries at the moment. This week, Spain is top of the list in terms of the infection rate. And it seems to me absolutely right that Germany should turn around and perhaps turn around and say, look, Poland has got at the moment very, very low infection rates whereas Spain has got an infection rate which is about 12 times higher than Poland. And therefore, we as a nation do have the right to actually impose a different set of restrictions according to where people are coming from. I understand there's a special problem with the US at the moment. There's also a special problem with travellers from other countries outside the EU, most acutely, of course, with Britain, which uh, Germany has taken a very hard line against Britain. But of course, it is the country in our part of Europe, which has got the highest infection rate at the moment. The only country which is higher is Georgia. My last question is going to go to each of you, um, if you would answer it, about the IMFPAS or vaccination passport. Do you think this is going to help um, in terms of opening up travel both out of Germany and into Germany? Or do you think this is going to create even more confusion given the fact that each, I mean, perhaps in the EU, there might be one that's compatible with uh, countries within the bloc. But for example, the US has a different one and, you know, other countries have different ones as well. Plus, some vaccinations are not accepted in every locale. So, Falco, let's start with you. Well, actually, I believe that um, IMPASS 
the certificate will help a great deal because it will make things easier crossing borders within uh, the European Union, especially if you're taking the plane and you have to prove that you've already been vaccinated or have already had the infection. So this will be certainly of great help, as well as probably uh, entering um, third state countries, because it's always easier to have a certificate that covers 27 member states than um, if the member states would have done it on their own. Probably Germany as a pretty large entity could have managed by itself, but um, you've got pretty small um, states within the European Union, such as Luxembourg, Belgium or whatever, um, that might have had certain difficulties when entering countries outside of the European Union. So this will certainly help a lot. Christian, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. For the inner-European traveling, it will be very helpful. Uh, What we have to make sure is that guests from overseas, Americans are very important for us, but also UK travelers uh, get no problems if they have a different kind of vaccination passport or however you want to call it. Uh, We have to make sure that this will be not a problem. Nikki, do you agree? I do. I know panel discussions thrive on discord and having a balance of views. But in this case, I'm totally with our two colleagues here. I think the Infopass is an absolutely great thing. My guess is that the group of 27 will see other countries. I would expect to see the EEC countries like uh, uh, Norway and Iceland, probably Switzerland in time, coming in to join that system. I think it's great progress. The thing we just need to bear in mind is we need to preserve and um, think just about the rights of people who, for whatever reason, have not yet had the chance to be vaccinated. That was Nikki Gardner, travel writer and editor of Hidden Europe magazine. She's co-author of the book Europe by Rail. I'd like to also thank my other guests, Christian Tensler, spokesman for Visit Berlin, the city's official tourism service, and Volker Adams, head of government affairs at the German Travel Association. Thank you all for being on today. An absolute pleasure. Thanks very much indeed, Soraya. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Soraya, for the opportunity to be with you. And thank you for listening to Common Ground. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and our senior producer is Dina El Sayed. Common Ground is made possible through a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy. Thank you also to our partners, the German Marshall Fund and Berliner Zeitung English Edition. You can download all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. If you are on Apple, why not write a review? Or you can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify. Be sure to also check out our website, commongroundberlin.com.